Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we're going to talk about the 1963 Disney animated movie, The Sword in the Stone. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a six-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of a adult. She's just an adult now. And... <laughs> Fuck. When will this be out? After no birthdays. <laughs> so I guess we're 10 and 4 now. We're 10 right. and 4 now. There you go. Um, so this this movie. So I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start, but let's start <laughs> with... I always thought it was the sword and the stone. But it is the sword in the stone, which actually does make more sense. Which makes like... perfect sense. <laughs> like, I, I have really complicated feelings about this film because I've watched <laughs> through. It's still good, right? Like, it's not. It's not. I mean, I don't know. My main note on this note sheet we have here is, what did <laughs> I just watch? <laughs> The second is, I fell asleep four times watching this movie. <laughs> so, so, this is one of those movies that I'm, like, vaguely aware of because scenes from it end up in, like, montages and stuff. And I knew it existed and I'm aware of it and whatever, but, like, I don't know that I had actually ever seen it. So, when we very first got Disney+, Plus, I sat down and I tried to watch it and I fell asleep. And there's been two other times that I've tried to watch it between then and when we decided to do this that I have started to watch it and fallen asleep. And then... This time, I was like, well, I have to stay awake this time. <laughs> Spoiler. I didn't stay awake. I don't know what it is about this movie. I think it's just that there's literally no story to this movie, mm -mm. right? It's just like vignettes of Merlin teaching wart stuff as animals. So, so we're going to, trust me when I say, <laughs> we're going to get into all of that. Okay. Because this movie... This movie is really interesting, I think, in the history of the Nine Old Men. And we've mm -hmm. talked about them before. They're the animators who did most of the major classic Disney movies. Mm -hmm. This movie was a bit of a fight. So <laughs> we'll get to it, though. All okay, right. so timing-wise, this is a 1963 movie. It, can't, it falls between... So after 101 Dalmatians and before Mary Poppins, mm -hmm. in case you were wondering where it goes. I don't know why I thought this was like a later 60s movie. I thought this was like a 60s approaching 70s movie for some reason until I looked into it. Um, something about the animation style just uh -huh. led me to believe that. Feels I'm not sure what. It does. There's like a... And I don't know how to properly explain it, and it, it must be something they're doing with the backgrounds, but just just has a different feel to it somehow for me. So it's called, um, let me get to it, um, it's, it's something to do with the animation. So they were Xeroxing photocopied drawings onto the animation cells. Because it makes it quicker. Because right? it makes it faster, yeah. right? We've and talked then, about that before. I think that's what they did in Sleeping Beauty, too. 
Um, but the but the technique changed. Okay. So something about and it specifically occurred. It started in this movie. Okay. So they used a different technique where the uh, assistant animators. Not the primary animators. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this. You can see it in the it's initial sloppy. scenes. Right. The b- it, early part of this movie is sloppy. You can see, like, you know how when you draw a figure, you have guidelines and stuff? Mm-hmm. There are multiple instances where you can see those where guidelines on Merlin. you can still Merlin. see, yeah, the guidelines. And how that's did they because... let that go? How did they let that happen? I promise to tell you. I promise <laughs> to tell you. Okay. So... How did this, I mean, box office was $22 million, budget at the time was $3 million, so by our standards here at Latchkey Movies, yeah, that's a commercial success. I don't know how that falls for Disney, though. For that time period, I have a hard time, because things, so it's really hard to compare historic box office to current box office because the um the nature of watching movies was different than it is now uh-huh. which is why no movie will ever hit the actual box office that gone with the wind hit everything is adjusted because of gone with the wind like you just can't it was a different time there were different options for entertainment people don't go to the movies now like they went to the movies then so we'll take it from the time then the box office for 101 dalmatians the budget was 3.6 million and it made 303 million so this this bombed yeah this was this did not do I I mentioned, I made a note of this, and I, I really do want to go into it and check it out, but I feel like Disney goes through these waves where they decide that now they need a male protagonist, and so they work towards getting a movie with a male protagonist. Not an animal male protagonist, a human male protagonist, and... They never do well. They never do well. So it's like Disney has these waves of, like, successful female protagonists. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We need a male. We need a male. And then they do a movie with a male, and it bombs. And then they're like, okay, wait, wait, no, let's go back to princesses. And then they say again, oh, no, we don't have any boys. We don't get boys to buy our stuff. So let's do something with a male protagonist again. And then they do, and it bombs, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. And I want to map it out because I am positive that you will see that it's just a typical, like, wave pattern of Disney releasing male protagonists in those, like, dips where they don't do well. Now, the one potential argument that I could make to counter that would be The Jungle Book, which was $378 million box office by its standards. But The Jungle Book is not... This, I don't think that's... I, I don't put it in the same category as a traditional male protagonist. Yeah. And I'll tell you why when we get to the whole conspiracy thing. Okay, well, to it's me... A, it's a whole story. My take on that is that The Jungle Book is more of an ensemble cast, <laughs> right? Well, the spoiler alert here is that it is mostly animals, and that really does matter mm-hmm. when we're talking about the animation, especially that came from The Nine Old Men. Which it's so, I mean, I think we've talked about this so many times, like, why? 
can't Disney make a successful movie with a male protagonist? Oh, I really, <laughs> I'll tell you in a few minutes. Okay, We're not all right. there yet. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm waiting. Okay. I'm waiting. I, I, fine, I'll do it here. I was going to do it in this conspiracy theory, but why does this movie exist asks this question so well that it may as well yeah. go here. So, what happened was, this movie was originally, the rights were purchased in 1939. Disney originally acquired the rights to The Once and Future King, T.H. White's. This is the first book of a, it's a tetralogy, five books. Okay, and, wait, before you get too further. Yes. Too much further. I think you are slightly better versed in, like, the Arthur legend than I am. I only know like the very basics of the basics, right? Okay. So are you familiar with the book that this is based off of? Yeah, I've read The Once and Future King. It's been it many decades, but sure, I've sure. read The Once and Future King, and let me tell you, now, most of this is not in there. <laughs> okay. let's, let's is it a perfect. book about Merlin turning Arthur into animals? Yes. Oh, he does? It okay. It, All right. it, it actually is. But okay. n- mostly not these. The squirrel okay. didn't happen in the book. The a bird happened in the book, but Mim never happened in the book. And right? what was her point here? Uh, hell if I know. I think. <laughs> and the wolf. What was the point of the wolf? I also wrote that. The wolf. Why is this a thing? No purpose whatsoever to Madame Mim. And yes, the fish was in the book so the it's tetralogy it's long this is only the first of five books kids books relatively it's 150 odd ish pages and it's supposed to be a fairly light-hearted attempt at the early years of king arthur so there was merlin and there is some shenanigans and we like I feel like they ca- they captured the essence of shenanigans, but we go from once upon a time there was a sword in the stone to shenanigans to oh we're Arthur now like yeah. there was no- nothing 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 um, and I I want to say too that like this movie feels like the emptiest Disney movie I've ever uh-huh. watched. There is nobody. Like, it, it, it's almost as if the world that Arthur lives in is empty. Like, mm-hmm. there's no people in it. There right? are no like, people in so it. It's so weird. Like, the, the the people he's squaring for, what, like, three people? There's two people who live in the castle and then, like, a guy who and visits every once in a while? A guy who visits. Oh, don't forget the, <laughs> don't forget the kitchen maid. But I, th- oh, and the oh, kitchen I think maid, you yeah. might be counting her. Like, there's there's <laughs> nobody here. What is nobody this world? Here. It feels post-apocalyptic. <laughs> there's, like, nobody there. And that is not... And how... I realize the population of England wasn't what it is, but, like... But <laughs> <would> still... <laughs> But still, what's so, the point of your keep if you're not protecting anybody? Right, because <laughs> it's futile. It's five hundred or so ish. Let's before we get too far here. I will say Arthur, 
not real. I hate to, like, burst your bubble if anyone was confused on this point here, but Arthur is not real. He's a... He is the surest proof, if ever there was, of the phrase, history is written by the victors. I have another question for you. Okay. So the sword and the stone is actual part of, like, the mythology? Or the yes. legend? Okay. Yes. But then what about the Lady of the Lake and Excalibur? Are those two different stories? Or... <laughs> I prefer From a the historic... telling of the story. See, and here's the thing. From a historical perspective, <laughs> the beauty of this story is that it tell it changes every time it's told right like you can really see the evolution of arthur the legend and the various and assorted like the lady of the lake and we have excalibur and i mean there's just so many layers Mm -hmm. here so I can I so is this like when we did Kubo and the Two Strings and we we're like okay but this is this and this and we don't really understand it but there's something there is that like the the English language equivalent to like a uh, murky like what are we gonna give this to There's a couple of different ways you could make well, this you pretty same much point. nailed it here yeah. again history <laughs> is written by the victors so if we go into the legend. Uh, Uther Pendragon, not his real name, but Uther is a Welsh king. He is in the, it's, it's, we call them barbarians because they don't speak Greece, Greek, but the reality is that they just, most of these were oral traditions, right? Mm-hmm. So Uther appears in the oral traditions of the time as a king. We're, we're fairly confident that he existed. The problem is, is that he appears in Welsh oral traditions. And in every Arthurian legend you're familiar mm-hmm. with, Arthur is French or Roman or, or, or. Mm-hmm. He is certainly not a barbarian princeling mm-hmm. from, yes, that's, okay. okay. From, I'm gonna from, go with from that. Wales. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> not, not, not real. Can I tell you what I thought this movie was going to be? <laughs> okay. I thought it was going to be the story of... Arthur as a kid and I thought he would like interact with more of those characters that we're familiar with beyond Merlin like I, I, what? It, it's nothing <laughs> in the once and future king Arthur is indeed crowned at the age of 10 so yeah. it's not but but what you're actually asking for is <laughs> book 2 and book okay. 3 why did they choose to give us the least exciting part of the story? Like you could have started this you could have started this story with Wart on the way to the competition with the family that he is squiring for. And then the beginning of the story should have been Arthur pulling the sword from the stone. That shouldn't have been the end of the story because there's nothing, nothing happens to him before that happens, except he gets turned into an animal by a magician. <laughs> so, 
All right. I'm going to lay the scene here. I just <laughs> finished Mad Men. And I want you... Have you... You've yes. watched Mad mm-hmm. Men. Yeah, okay. So this is... I want you to picture that office in Disney Studios. Okay. And imagine... A whole bunch of dudes, because there weren't a whole lot of women, you know as well as I do, Mm -hmm. there were a whole bunch of dudes sitting around drinking and smoking and drawing things. And deciding that they knew what the average consumer wanted. And deciding what they knew what the average consumer wanted to watch. And so... So everything we're getting is through the male, middle-aged, white guy gaze of 1960-whatever. Well, and I think that it's even more complex than that, because every office has, like, inter-office politics, right? Absolutely, yep. Right? You have the office politics. The office politics, as near as I can tell, between the nine old men were as follows. Do we draw animals or do we draw people? And there are a fair few that fell pretty strongly on the animal side of the contingent. So there were there was this other movie in development at the same time we were developing the sword in the stone. And we were competing. Because at that point in time, we were only doing one animated movie every four years because mm-hmm. the bulk of the money was being spent on park development. But even like later on, that continues to happen in Disney animation. Mm-hmm. You'll get like, because of the way that they start projects, there will always be projects happening at the same time. One will just be slightly ahead of the other. And there's always like, you know, that's always kind of happening. And because we purchased the rights to this book Mm -hmm. in 1939, we, the American people, have been hearing and asking about, when are we going to get the sword and the stone? And beyond that, the note that you make about Disney at that point focusing their profits on the um, development of the parks, there is a very clear reason why they would want to make a movie like this at that time you can see the the way that the the way that they style the village or where do they go that the sword is in the stone where is it's, that it's london okay it's so london. the way that they style london that's exactly what the like fantasy land part of the the, the parks look like like it's the it's you know it's it's what it is like that's they go together (laughs) you know so i could see where there would be a draw to want to make a you know a a sword and castles kind of film to make sure that this all has you know Mm -hmm. a tie-in i guess and the other film that was being developed was called chanticleer which is a four-part tale fable about a rooster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I laugh at 
it, but like I guess you can like you can you can give like a one sentence description of a lot of movies and they sound ridiculous. And so. they sound but but <laughs> but the rebuttal by Walt Disney himself is supposed to this film is supposedly I don't feel like picking up a rooster and petting it. <laughs> that's true, right? And that's true. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> you had okay, but but I gotta give you the, the, the background of these guys. So Ken Anderson and Mark Davis uh were developing Chanticleer. Ken Anderson did 101 Dalmatians, Lady in the Tramp, Jungle Book. He was So he was not- the animal guy. Yeah, he was an animal guy. He was not one of the nine, but he was one, he was definitely yeah. an animal guy. Mark Davis was one of the nine, and he did Song of the South, which racist as fuck, but animals. That's, yes. that's what's mm-hmm. key here. That's where the, that's the story of Br'er Rabbit. You mm-hmm. get the bluebirds. Like, it's very animal. Right. It's all animals. <laughs> Bambi and Ichabod and Toad. Mark Davis was also, they called him the ladies' man. So he was responsible for drawing most of the women, Mm -hmm. and he was very, very good at it, Mm -hmm. and he elevated it to an art form, and apparently he fucking hated it. What he liked (laughs) doing was drawing roosters. Roosters. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he said, I I, I draw a very great rooster. (laughs) So, they were primarily developing Chanticleer, and mm-hmm. they were working with Milt Call, uh, also one of the nine, Song of the South, Alice in Wonderland, specifically the White Rabbit, uh, Peter Pan, the uh, Crocodile, and Wolfgang Reitherman, um, Jack and Gus. So, this is why... Cinderella is it's all animals. Is all it's just animals an animal story? Because it was made by well, the animal guys. Because it was made by the animal guys. Do you see how the, all mm-hmm. this is slotting into place? It's all coming. It's clear it, right. as day now. <laughs> he also did the dinosaurs in Fantasia's Rite of Spring. So all these guys, the animal guys, had gotten together to do a movie about a rooster, and Walt said. Nah, I don't like your rooster. We're going to do this thing over here that I've been saying I've been going to do for 20 years now. (laughs) And so these four guys basically got sucked in to Sword in the Stone, and they were pissed about it. And it shows. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I think one of the best ways it shows is that there's a lot of non-original character design in this movie. Like, Uh you see the crocodile that Disney uses for, like, literally every movie is the same crocodile. Captain Dragon Crocodile, Wolfgang Reitherman. Yeah. The, um, there's some others that I thought. And I'm just trying to see if they came before or after. Um, the dragon is mm-hmm. the dragon that is in every... It's always the same dragon. Um, I will say that I thought when the when Wart is scrambling over the um, stump at one point in the very beginning of the movie, I thought that that 
was taken from Winnie the Pooh because it's the exact same scene as Christopher Robin crawling over one. Um, it's the other way around. This one was it's first. It's the other way around. But Disney always reuses animation. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, it's just it, it's it's a lot of character design that had already been used, and is very obviously so. And they so they did the script first, and Disney apparently hated it. Like they they had to go back a number of times. They should have and gone I, back more. They should have gone <laughs> back more. And I think they ended up with what they did because there were these guys sitting around a table drinking lots of alcohol, smoking <laughs> lots of cigarettes, feeling very resentful of the fact that they weren't doing their movie Mm -hmm. and that went on for three years and so what they ended up doing was what they wanted to do shoved in to the Mm -hmm. wrapper that was sword in the stone Mm -hmm. and that's your briar's conspiracy notes (laughs) for this particular film makes all the sense prove it but that's but there's enough background there to piece this story together that that's more or less what happened it seems like they took like that small little window of well he does get turned into animals at some points in this novel and decided that they're gonna make that the the thing so that they could do what they wanted exactly you know, and they were very lazy about it in other places. Mm-hmm. Wart's voice, there were three voice actors total. I think the first change was right after The Pond, and the second change was after Mem. The second and the third actor were brothers, but, like, they just... I Is that because... Is that because they purposely wanted a kid who sounded like he was literally just on the cusp of having his voice change and, like, the kids' voices kept changing? Because, like, I could not stand this voice. It was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> I, I I don't know. The whole way through, and it's very, the changes are yeah. very grating. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I was really, both times felt like very, oh, I think we're on a new voice actor now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! And like, oh, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know this movie. I don't know. And the thing is, is that I remember it fondly because, like, I'm not gonna lie. Big part of my early childhood development, Madam Mim as a witch, was very mm-hmm. important to me. Right? All the witches were very. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter that they were all evil. This one was pretty fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And a dragon, and let's be honest, that's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but why? But yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, upon reflection, as I watch it through as an adult, I'm like, but why? Like <laughs> none of this really connects in any way. There are the, the oh man, it's really the story is bad. The story is very bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's no wonder that. Nobody talks about this movie. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're, we, we've purposely chosen to talk about the less popular Disney movies, right? And like, okay, I get why this is the less popular Disney movie. I will say that this is one of those things that people, uh, there's like a small but vocal contingent of people who 
like this movie mm-hmm. and want to see more of this movie represented in like the parks and stuff. And I think we've mentioned this before because it happened with something else that we had talked about right before, like in March of last year, Disney um, debuted a new parade at Disney's uh, at Disneyland. So California, and it had like a few different, Oh, I, I think maybe it has, some of the characters from Atlantis or something in it. There was, Maybe. there's somebody this else. Is, yeah. But we haven't done that one yet. Yeah. But, but one of the but, big, but we have that... talked about this. <laughs> this is ringing some bells yeah. for me. So one of the big floats everybody was excited about had Arthur and Merlin from this movie in it. But, like, as feels very fitting for the small but vocal contingent of Disney fans who want these underrepresented things to show up more. It debuted in March of last year. I think it probably ran for like a week before it got scrapped. And for now, Disney is not doing any parades or anything because it creates too much of a like a crowd That's cluster. Crowds, right. <laughs> You can, um, I can't remember if this exists at Disneyland. I don't remember if we saw it. But in Disney World, right in front of, uh, I think it's called Prince Charming's um, carousel. It's in Fantasyland. Um, It's like the main square in Fantasyland. There is a sword in the stone that you can try to pull out. And once upon a time, something would happen. Sometimes it actually did come out. I'm not sure if that's still the case. I mean, we all saw that episode of Full House, right? (laughs) Isn't that what happens in the episode of Full House? I think, I don't know. It happens in one of those TGI Friday shows where people went to Disney because, like, they always did that because ABC is owned by Disney, but um, yeah, anyways, you can pull it. It wiggles. I don't know if it still occasionally comes out or not. At one point it did. It didn't come out any time that I've ever pulled on it. (laughs) (laughs) So, just of note, uh, Archimedes the Owl is also Rabbit, just in case you had that particular earworm. His name is Junius Matthews. And the narrator and actor are played by Sebastian Cabot, who you would probably know as the narrator from Winnie the Pooh, Bagheera, and if you're wondering what he looks like, also Santa Claus from the Miracle on 34th Street. So. I love, I am going to say it again, I wish Disney would bring back the storybook openings for its movies. Even if in this one, it who cares because it's not the story you're going to tell. But <laughs> and they only kind of did it for this one, which was interesting. Like they had a couple pages and then they went straight. So I was thinking, though, we've talked before about the title sequence being at the beginning versus mm-hmm. being at the end, and we can't do that now because of how many fucking people work on every fucking movie mm-hmm. and how long. And kids but have no attention spans. Kids have no attention spans. <laughs> But there was something, wasn't there, to being forced to sit through the list of names? Like, I always you like and that. I geek out on this, right? But do you recognize names after time? Oh, yeah. I yeah, sure yeah, do. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I always like that so many of the title cards in this era, and I can't remember if this one specifically was or not, but I like that so many of them are hand-lettered. Because once upon a time, I wanted to do hand lettering, and there's not a big market for it. You need to like work at a grocery store. But <laughs> so I, I like have seeing to that. Say, 
I bought a hand lettering book because you're mm-hmm. right. You can't use that shit anywhere except for like in my own personal planner. But I've yeah. really been wanting to learn brush calligraphy. Mm-hmm. And yes, because it's pretty. And mm-hmm. I, I very personally am distraught by how handwriting, especially God, none of my children, they all write like fucking serial killers or doctors. Like, mm-hmm. I. Handwriting. It used to be a thing. It's not now. Um, I have a doctor signature because when I changed my name, when I got married, I was working in a job where I had to, it was like, I had to do a lot of like official documentation in the job. So I was constantly signing my signature. So my name became like my first initial, a squiggle. My my <laughs> last name, first initial, a squiggle and a dot because there's an I in my last name. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. Like, I understand because, like, it's just, ugh, it takes so long if you have a real signature. <laughs> so now you have a doctor's signature. Yeah. Now I don't do much and I have a doctor's signature. Well, <laughs> at least you can say you have a doctor's signature, I guess. And I, I will also say that I'm one of those annoying people who writes everything in uppercase. Like, so my capitals are just larger letters and then everything else is like uppercase lettering, um, like print. And I think I've totally messed up my kid because he, he has a hard time. He's like all over the place in what he writes. Like, and I think his teacher's been like, well, this is how we do it in the kindergarten way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kid. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't get my 10 year old to write any capital letters of any kind. It's all just <laughs> Send them to me case. and that's all he'll come out with is capital letters. There we go. We'll swap for a while. So, yeah, that's what I appreciate about, like, having to watch the um, titles. But I don't think that this was one of the ones where it was all hand-lettered. No, I don't think this was. No, I think in, if I had to guess, based on the laziness and just general <laughs> apathy about this film in general, nobody cared enough to hand-letter <laughs> the title sequence for this one. No. <laughs> I don't know what else to talk about here. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of, I'm like, I'm done. I'm looking at the bottom of the list going, all right, well, I guess let's get through these here. I, I feel like I don't feel bad. Um, Other things I saw or expected were that Wart's legs were so tiny. <laughs> he was literally walking around on toothpicks. And I expected, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember their names, the father and son that he was the squire for, I expected Hector to... and Kay, and yeah. the only reason I know that is because in my brain they're book characters, and by the way, they done Hector dirty here. Oh, yeah? It's... I, I realize it's politics of the time, but it was the 5th, 6th, ish century, relatively, Taking in Arthur the Foster was an act of charity, and they weren't bad people, relatively. Mm -hmm. It was just the time. Mm -hmm. I think they used Hector, and I mean, Kay's the foil, and Mm -hmm. Hector is the comic relief, I guess. He gets to be, I I don't know, but... (laughs) But they were such, both of them, one-dimensional characters, Mm -hmm. which is 
a real disservice to the real fictional characters. Let's be clear here, since none of this is real, but the real fictional characters in the T.H. White novel. So I was expecting, like, along the along the same lines as, like, when they're, like, uh, when you learn that Wart's name is Arthur and it's supposed to be, like, an oh moment. I was expecting that, like, Kay would have stood for something else and you'd learn he was somebody else and uh, whatever. But, like, that would be too much thought put into this movie, I think. Well, and I think Kay is just Kay, and yeah. I think he was always somewhat antagonistic to his father. I've, like I said, it's been decades. Uh, <laughs> there's only so much RAM up here for books, unfortunately. I just, kept, I just kept expecting more from the movie when on the surface. It's just literally a movie on the surface. You know, and... My kids were not that interested, and I didn't feel like bribing them for this mm-hmm. one because it had been a long day. But I, I, I think that probably they would have actually enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it's very kid level storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in like that four to eight range. There's lots of slapstick, and there's a couple decent, not great, but decent songs. Mm-hmm. And there's a sequential process that you move through so that if you get bored, you can call them back at the beginning mm-hmm. of the next scene, right? Right, like, yeah. Probably, I can't verify, but probably they would have enjoyed it. <laughs> My kid didn't watch it. He had no interest any of the four times I've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I... I will. That's a pretty damning verdict, I must say. (laughs) I will always feel bad for the female squirrel. Always feel bad for the female squirrel. She's just so sweet. (laughs) So lovelorn. (laughs) Little sniffles. (laughs) I know. So terrible. It did not make me cry, though. Let's be perfectly oh, no. clear that nothing no, it, about definitely. this movie made me cry. Because definitely nothing not. about and and I do. I'm I'm a little disappointed because I remembered it fondly from childhood, and I think that's what I, I do remember it fairly fondly. And I think it's because it's sequential and fairly slapsticky and action okay. based. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna as we go through this list in particular, I'm gonna have to look at it, because I do feel like there are a lot of the forgotten classics that I really did love. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there's a theme there, or, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Something notable is that the songs were written and composed by the Sherman Brothers. They're the same ones that did, this was their first film with Disney, um, but they are most famous for Mary Poppins. Mm. Um, they get they are uh, featured in the um, the Mary Poppins movie with Tom Hanks. You know which one I'm talking about? The making of the Mary Poppins movie. Oh, movie. I think I, I can't I, think I've what not it's called. Seen it, but... um, one of them is portrayed by B. J. Novak. But uh, yeah, anyways. <laughs> okay. 
So they're they're pretty they're pretty iconic uh, contributors in the Disney canon. All right. So would would a child do this? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, a child <laughs> would do this. Give a child, no, especially at this age, 10, 12, right? Like, give a kid the opportunity to be an mm-hmm. animal and frolic. Or, or even just something that he, something beyond what he thought he was going to be, mm-hmm. you know? And, that's oh you nailed it right there if they had done this right that's really what this movie could have been about and mm-hmm. because the glimmers are there the the ability to be something right more yeah to, to not just be the page mm-hmm. for k right because right? he, he says it at one but and maybe, I don't know, maybe that is there when you're a kid and that's the only story. But for me, it was not told well enough. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just... Yeah. We we could have done so much better with the story of the boy Arthur who becomes King Arthur mm-hmm. and how... I, I, I mean, not that we can all be King Arthur, right? But that's that's the the hero's journey and it was done so poorly here. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I and you know, I said earlier that I wanted it to be the story of like the immediately after pulling the sword out of the stone, but like you could have given me his story up till that point and still brought in like he meets Merlin Merlin turns into a fish like I get that you can do that but like I needed more about Arthur like I didn't have anything about Arthur you know like who is no. Arthur who is <laughs> who, Arthur who is that's a good fucking question I I'm not he's kind of a pants here yeah no mm-hmm. a pants for boys and that's a problem because he doesn't really have much of a story or a yeah. personality or a... It's just a whole lot of nothing. There's a whole lot of nothing in this movie. This is going to be a short episode, guys. There's nothing to talk about because it's a movie about nothing. I I wanted it to be more. I really, and I, I did. I wanted it to be more, and I remember it being more. And I am going to, I am going to go ahead and, there's something about watching something when you're a child and being able to perceive it with the innocence of a child that does matter. So maybe some of that message does filter through. And I'm just too old and jaded mm-hmm. to catch it now, which will affect my rating. But I don't know. as an adult now, I was, I was a little disappointed by this on rewatch. I feel like we've put more thought into this movie than the people who made <laughs> this movie. they did. Mm-hmm. Well, and I put a lot of thought into explaining what it looked like while they were doing this movie, and I don't think I'm wrong, and I mm-hmm. just really do feel like that colors so much mm-hmm. of this. They didn't care. 
if they cared, if it had mattered to them, there would have been a like story. It would have gotten a better story. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But this was the this was the loser that we didn't want to do, mm-hmm. and because of that, we just. Fuck, whatever. It's 1962. I don't fucking care. Like, I, I, I am. I'm very biased by having just watched Mad Men because I can, it's the exact <laughs> same time period. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm putting all of these guys. So, uh, Wolfgang Reitherman, he was born in uh, the old German Empire before World War One immigrated here before the First War and was in the Air Force during World War II. Mm-hmm. He was very much an animal guy because being a German in America, right, we had several Jewish people among... The, there wasn't... There had to have been undertones, I feel, in the back room about telling the stories the way that we wanted to tell them without having to deal with people. Because when we're talking about people, we have to talk about the motivations of people. Mm -hmm. When an animal does a thing, it's just the thing. And we can assess it morally from a much different angle. And so from that perspective, I really do somewhat appreciate why some of these guys were so into the animals. Because Song of the South aside, and I don't know, I've not seen it as an adult to be able to judge it, but I'm sure it's legitimately racist and I'm just going to have to take it as such. I vaguely remember it being as such. Mm-hmm. But the rest, we're talking about stories of what is good and what is bad. And perhaps that is easier to tell when your characters are animals. Yeah. Because we don't have to think about what people should or shouldn't do. Right. That's... That's 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 my theory of the back room and why they liked the animals. And it's but still, this was the movie they didn't want to do. This was the movie they right. didn't want to do and it shows. So, I'm skimming this the plot of the book and it says in here that when he goes to to pull the sword from the anvil, um he tries the first time and he's unable to pull it out, but he tries again, and he hears the voices of the animals and friends he made along his journey, encouraging him to do it, and he does it. So, like, so like there why was actually shit there that <laughs> yeah. we could have gotten our girl squirrel back. Yeah. Or anything, or anything. anything. So much good because story. That- that would have given you the reason for all of that to happen, because like as it stands. I don't really feel like there was a great reason for any of that to happen, right? Right? Other than it was ordained, foreordained. I no, but I mean, like, all this stuff did. with like, Merlin. No, I know. What's the point? I know. What's the there point? is no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> for a made-up story, and it is all made up, but it's, yeah, we 
don't, we sure do t- have taken a lot of liberties with it. <laughs> <laughs> we could have we made this one a better story. And I'm I feel saying. at this point we're belaboring the point because, like, what? Why? We've... <laughs> There is no Halloween costume to wear here. Well, I mean, you could be like a knight or a dragon. Fine. Or the dragon. I mean, why? You have to make them all, though. Usually, (laughs) when we talk about Halloween costumes, I'm thinking, because how many people actually make Halloween costumes from scratch anymore? What I'm actually talking about is can you go to Nobby's or whatever you call your Halloween store? And buy this off the rack. And right. should you? And that does not apply here. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so your six-year-old didn't watch it. My no. four and ten... The ten-year-old was interested, and then the four-year-old melted down before I even started the movie. So mm-hmm. it just never happened last yeah. night. I, I may circle back. He may actually enjoy it. I would actually like to know. Yeah. But so far, no, no dice on any <laughs> no. of our children for this film. Age-wise, I would say, like, if you can get your kid to watch it, any age is fine, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's appropriate for any age There's if they'll watch it. There's nothing scary in it. And maybe the dragon, but she's so cartoony yeah. that I just don't even think that... Really? Not really. <laughs> not really at all. So, okay, but you gotta give me an actual score. Uh, um, two? <laughs> Is that better than Happy Feet? <laughs> as long as it's better, it's better than Happy Feet. I don't know, man. I'm gonna give it a two, but if... If we gave Happy Feet a two, then this is a three, and I'll adjust later accordingly. (laughs) This is a two without Happy Feet, but if Happy Feet is a two, then this is a three. Well, I I, I think (laughs) I'll I'll just ignore your rating entirely and go with a solid, like, if I could give it Three and three quarters okay. stars. I sure. like. There you go. Because it's not a four star movie, but it's better than a three and a half movie. <laughs> I feel for me because I d- and 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 only because I have fond childhood memories. Of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and, that- and I think those matter. Maybe yeah, as a do. kid, maybe as a kid, I did pick up these really mm-hmm. lazy, broad strokes that they tried to hash out for us mm-hmm. here. But, I mean, we uh, talked about it when we did Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty's score for me was higher than it mm-hmm. probably deserved because for me, that was the movie that I liked when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. it's got its own special place, you know? So. And and a lot of these, especially the animal ones mm-hmm. for me, have very fond places in mm-hmm. my memory. Like, I grew up on these, and I remember watching these with my cousins on VHS when there wasn't a whole lot of other options <laughs> is a big part of the thing. We're old now, Sarah, and mm-hmm. a lot of what we remember, like, it was movies were... Movies in the 60s, you went to the movies, right? Mm-hmm. It was a familial event. Movies in the 80s were a 
at-home event, mm-hmm. but still very much an event in their own way. And right. so there's a lot of those feelings about it, I think, for mm-hmm. me. Whereas my kids just go through Netflix yep. and go through Hulu. And then here's Disney Plus, like movies all the time, whenever mm-hmm. they want them. And I have, with these movies at least, tried to cultivate that mm-hmm. special movie night feel with mm-hmm. popcorn and candy. But still, sometimes that's the only thing getting them to come is the yep. popcorn and the candy. Not that we're watching a movie together. They don't fucking care. Right. Yep. Same here. We still do movie night. And it's 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 tough finding movies these days. <laughs> Although we started doing, we did Indiana Jones. I think we talked about that already. We just did Night at the Museum. I'm trying to sell my husband on whether or not we can do Goonies. (laughs) So I'm laughing because Sarah sent me the other day the link to, she said, if you want to read something funny, go read the Goonies reviews on common sense media and against my better judgment you did i did <laughs> holy if you shit. want if you want to experience pearl clutching at its finest read the reviews of the goonies on common sense media because it is it's it's chef's I mean, kiss of internet pearl clutching it really, it really is. Like, if, if, if you were to watch the movie that the reviewers thought you yes! were watching, right? it would be like full on pornography. Pornography <laughs> with nothing but drugs. Yeah. And it would be a piracy. snuff film. <laughs> uh, man. It would be a pirate snuff film, basically. <laughs> oh my God. It was. Yeah. Wild, y'all. Wild. So if you only take away one thing from this episode, take away, go read the reviews on Common Sense Media of Goonies. (laughs) And on that note, we're not reviewing that one for a while, but after this now, I feel as though we (laughs) must add it to the list. We have a beat list right now, guys, though. It's it's getting long. I'm grateful that we, yeah, it's going to be a while. We're going to be here for a while. Okay. So, I don't know what we're doing next. Next, I don't think we've decided. I think we should do the Black Cauldron, because it's like, it, thematically, I feel Ooh, like it. Oh, right. I feel know. like it fits right in. Yeah. So, next week, part two of Sword in the Stone. <laughs> we'll watch the Black Cauldron. All right, and you can find us at Latchkey Movies on Instagram and Facebook. We don't hang out there, but you can talk to us in our inboxes. You can email us, latchkeymovies at gmail.com. You can call us, 402-885-4875. And if for some reason we have amused you this day, which frankly, this one probably ranks right up there with some of our funniest shit ever, <laughs> you can drop us a taco at kofi.com slash briar, and we will buy tacos, and we will eat them in your name, and we will be happy. Tacos. Because that's about all a podcast of this size really gets in donations. <laughs> Tacos. 
Alright, y'all. I think that's it. We'll see you next time for the Black Cauldron. Bye. Bye.